Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What's going on, everybody? It is Mark Cardula, the lead faculty and CEO here at Modern Pain Care, where we make you the complete clinician. Coming at you this week with a new episode of the podcast and a special guest this week, a special guest that's going to be joining us in our Lifelong Learning Academy. Um, we're extremely excited to have Marcos Lopez with us. But before we get to know Marcos and talk to him, I'd like to get to know our see where our co-host is. How are you doing, Jared? Doing good, man. Uh, you know, as you know, my, my life has been a little bit busy, a little bit crazy lately, but uh, still definitely always want to make time for a podcast episode, especially when I get to bring on my boy, Marcos Lopez. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Marcos and I, we go way back. Uh, we used to, we've taught some courses together and that sort of stuff. Marcos is a physical therapist down in the San Antonio, Texas area, uh, has a really strong background in both, you know, outpatient musculoskeletal orthopedic uh, clinical care, as well as, uh, you know, the whole pain science, you know, quote unquote thing with, with a really special emphasis on understanding, uh, chronic opioid use disorder. And I I don't want to steal his thunder, but I just wanted to, uh, kind of lay out a little bit of the background that Marcos is coming from and why he's, he's, uh, somebody that we should be listening to, but he's somebody that maybe he not, not as many people know because he's always got his nose to the grindstone and he's not being ridiculous on social media like Mark and I. So Marcos, uh, I just wanted to go ahead and, you know, give you a quick little intro, but have you maybe elaborate a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks guys. Uh, always a pleasure to jump on with you guys. I will wake up an hour early or do whatever I need to, to, to hang out with you guys. I always have a lot of fun and <clears throat> obviously we all go way back. Um, but yeah, as, as Jared, as you mentioned, um, you know, I have the background in, um, the pain science world going through a lot of ISPI's training several, several years ago, like 2015, and then just independent study as well. Uh, you know, certified orthopedic clinical specialist and 2019 graduated, uh, Bell and fellowship program. So really, like you said, uh, grinding and just constantly through the last few years to try to continue to grow as a clinician, but also as a person. And, um, it was, <clears throat> you know, a couple of years, uh, 2018, excuse me, it was 2018 when I moved to San Antonio that I was offered the opportunity to start partnering with this company called New Hope, which at the time was a substance use disorder um, multidisciplinary clinic whose primary focus was uh, medication management, opioid tapering and sparing uh, for those who had developed uh, dependency or opioid use disorder. And, um, and so that's, you know, ever since then, I, I started working with them, uh, and it seems like not a lot, but I think cumulative has become a lot because it's been so many different phases and iterations of this company that has now evolved into a substance use disorder, multidisciplinary program and a pain management program and a preoperative program. So it's, it's actually a very interesting, um, I guess, company clinic now, as it is involved and morphed, and now has different pathways. And the interesting thing that has been constant throughout my 
uh, journey with them is that my group that I that I lead or that I work with is always a hodgepodge of different programs. So <clears throat> there was times where I was working with people who have tr- you know true addiction use disorder, uh, and, and there was people that had that were there with maybe some mental illness, chronic pain, and depression, um, but maybe weren't on certain medications or didn't need a pathway to reduce their uh, their opioid intake. Uh, and now it's, you know, you might have someone who's highly dependent, high functioning, someone who has use disorder, someone who is in the program because they're going to get surgery, uh, in a couple months and they need to still taper down of their medication or they, they are part of this multidisciplinary program. So it's a very, it was, uh, a very unique group for a couple of years. And over the last year, it's kind of evolved, which has, has kept it interesting for sure. So, yeah, man, I, it, I've, I've been able to talk with you through this entire process and really get a lot of, you know, insight into what you're doing with this program and what it looks like. Uh, but more so than anything, just as, as your friend and being in close contact with you for a long time, I've been able to kind of see how your thoughts on uh, opioid use has evolved and how your knowledge has expanded and a lot of things things that you've shared with me. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that Mark and I wanted to bring you on to talk in our masterclass next week, you know, kind of focus on uh, giving us some of that information or, or providing some insight into that. So if, would you, would you be okay with maybe giving the listeners a little bit of insight into what you're going to be talking about next week? Yeah, sure. So the, the, the presentation that, that I'll be talking about, I, uh, you know, I shared with you guys a little bit earlier and Jared, you obviously know this because you were in Mark as well. You guys sat in on the presentation, but what I was, what I was struggling with was how to, how to convey a message about the detrimental effects and the long-term effects of, of being dependent on these medications or having a use disorder. So what I will be talking about is, um, I don't know if this is the the correct term, but I'm going to call it a, a, a narration, like a patient story narration perspective, like a narrative perspective of, of actual patients that we've, that I've encountered through the last three years, but through the lens of a certain patient. Um, and a lot of the, the, the things I'm going to talk about are actually her story, uh, with her permission, uh, at, at San Diego pain summit. I didn't make it explicit that I had her permission to share that her story and to share some of her text conversations that we have, but the, 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 the presentation or the talk that I'll give is going to focus on a little bit of the background of New Hope, which we've d- dove into that a little bit, but just maybe some more detail about how do you classify use disorder, mild, moderate, se- se- uh, severe classification based on certain behavioral factors, um, how the programs work, intensive out- out- outpatient program. Um, so a little bit of the background of the program itself, so people have a better understanding. Uh, also diving into some of the the, the data, the stats around uh, use disorder, about prescription rates, um, adverse effects, and, and mortality rates associated to opioids, which is quite terrifying uh, to say the least. It has grown exponentially over the last five to seven years. Um, 
And then we shift into introducing you guys to, to Debbie. And Debbie is, is the, the patient who we're going to take you through her journey. We're going to talk about her experience with, with back pain as a medical provider herself, her journey through the system, which took her down a path of uh, over, over medicalization from a uh, non conservative. And when I say non conservative, I mean more inv- invasive or uh, interventions, including medication, right? She wasn't offered the opportunity or the pathway to go to seek conservative care with chiropractic, with physio. Um, and at the time, um, maybe didn't have the health literacy or the locus of control to say, uh, this isn't working for me. You know, I need to, I need to try something else. And, and her journey through multiple bouts of back pain, which led to um, multiple bouts of being prescribed high dose opiate based medication um, and <clears throat> go through this journey until she gets to new hope. And then new hope is where me and uh, not my team, I'm part of a team where we come in and we were able to intervene with her and through guided medication tapers through some physical therapy and through some pain science education, whatever that looks like, right. It's going to look and sound different based on whoever's providing it. And for me, that's even evolved tremendously from when I first started the program with them to now um, and everything in between that Debbie was along this journey. So we're going to go through that process, go to how she got to new hope um, her journey through that recovery and then where she is now, um, which is really neat. Uh, to be able to fast forward in time now that she's discharged and um, and yeah. So uh, lastly, which I think is probably the most important part is I'm going to provide a practical example uh, and some tidbits on how to screen for those that are at risk for opioid use disorder. Um, and as well as how to do that clinically. Um, I, I don't, I, there's a tool that I'll share and I don't want to give it all away, but I will walk through my intake with a patient and as to how I'm actually in the moment on my initial, initial evaluation screening to see if they're at risk. And if at risk, even though they're not on opioids, I'm going to let them know so that they have within themselves that health literacy and that locus of control, uh, to be able to, to cross that bridge when they get there, if they get prescribed medications, hopefully that whatever knowledge I give them now is just in the memory bank for future, uh, you know, run-ins with healthcare providers. That sounds like a awesome program you're involved in. I know I've been able to talk to you about it and obviously heard your talk at the pain summit. It was an amazing talk. So looking forward to you sharing uh, something similar with our audience. Um, the opioid issue obviously is a huge one and, and, you know, maybe not as much of a public uh, topic with uh, you know COVID and other things, maybe currently hogging the headlines, but a couple of questions I have for you. Where do you feel we are as like a healthcare system? Maybe the U S can, uh, it has its own issues, obviously with how much we consume of the opioid, uh, you know, population in the world. Um, but also where do you think we are as a profession and maybe not just physio, but as a rehab professions, as far as being able to work well and, and maybe make recommendations or have communications with physicians. I know that can be a delicate um, topic and to broach with a physician because it's not our scope to be prescribing, but I think it, it is our scope to care about our patients and care about the people we're, we're serving. And when we see them 
struggling with this, um, it seems like there would be a window of opportunity to, to talk with some physicians. What, what, are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, I think, uh, conservative care providers, those that aren't prescribing medications, physios, chiros, um, anyone that does any form of comprehensive health screening, maybe even a massage therapist might do some past medical history questions, depending on what they're doing. Um, I think, I think we are appropriately placed and I do think it's totally appropriate within our scope to do screening. We're not, we're not diagnosing, we're doing screening example on my health care form that you guys will see next week. And I'm sure you guys use these too. I've got the PHQ two on there screening for depression. Now, if they answer yes and yes to that screening, I'm not going to then just acknowledge that and say, Hey, is that something you'd like help with? You know, to, is that something that you're seeking help for? Or you would like help with um, these symptoms that you have? I'm not just going to go there. I'm recognizing that there's the likelihood, and 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 I'll, I'll have conversations. Right? Is this is this an issue because you know you have back pain, you've got knee pain, and you're just feeling a little bit down or depressed because you haven't been able to engage with your normal lifestyle? Have you? Have you is it because you're unable to? Um, to spend the time with your loved ones. So you just feel a little down, you know, it's not maybe clinical or pathological, but, but if there seems something underlying, I'm not just going to stop there. I'm going to give them a PHQ nine and I'm doing that to have data. I'm not doing it to diagnose. I'm doing it so that then I could call the referring provider and I'm not just speaking on my assumptions or my story. I'm speaking on data. And if they score on the PHQ nine, that they have moderate levels of um, depression that that are being unmanaged and untreated, that I'm we know that the effects on health on health mortality and chronic pain, right? So it's I'm I'm in that moment, and and I will say this because I did this like two weeks ago. I'll ask the patient, is it okay with you if I share with your referring provider some of the things that that we discussed today? And the majority of the times they still yet they'll say yes. So I feel like with opioid use disorder, knowing that people can develop a dependency towards these drugs after five days of being exposed to them. Um, now it's different than uh, a use disorder, but that's still uh, a, a pretty significant uh, issue there. <clears throat> I will I will go through these screens and then I will make a common knowledge with the patient that they are someone that is at risk while they're currently using or not using. Um, what I do think, where I do think we can make more of a dent is our physio and conservative care providers that are on the hospital side that are seeing people for acute care PT. They're seeing people post-op because they're in there with them you know, as people have their pain pumps or as people are getting prescribed their medications. And it could, it could be in that moment asking that patient that maybe hasn't been screened for from the top down. And it could be asking them if they have some of these risk factors. And if so, sharing it with the head charge nurse or sharing it with the PA or the, or the physician. So I, I, I think it's totally appropriate because we're, we're not diagnosing, we're not treating it. We're just screening for it and we're triaging, which is, you know, if you're functioning in a direct patient access setting, which I think you are in, in Arizona, right, Mark? Mm-hmm. And in Texas, we have some capacity of it for a couple of weeks. Um, but if we're just screening and triaging, I, I, I don't see much issue. And I, and I do think that 
a lot of physicians will appreciate it. And a lot of this stuff, unless you're like in the pain specialist world or interventionalist pain or um, some, you know, like GPs and PCPs, they're probably not in tune to a lot of this stuff. And I am just because I'm in a, I'm associated to a practice whose focus is this, right? Um, so I, I think they're more receptive uh, as long as we don't approach it in the sense that, that we're diagnosing and treating, we're just screening and triaging. Very cool, man. Uh, I, I agree completely. I, as you know, I tend to agree with most things that you say. <laughs> so that's why we always have to have outside perspective. So we're not just echoing each other. Um, but, you know, one of the things uh, Mark and I have have been doing a, a little bit lately on the podcast is getting into uh, some clinical stuff, right? We've been doing these shorter episodes, really trying to focus on uh, helpful clinical takeaways for people listening. And we've got a lot of good feedback on that. We want to keep that up. And one of the things that, that jumped out to me when you were talking is uh, how your thoughts or how you go about the, the quote unquote pain neuroscience education has changed over time. And obviously with this new hope program, you had a very, you know, I know early on, it started as a very curricular based program where you were kind of walking people through an educational session, like small groups. And uh, so that to me, that means that you have probably had more experience than most clinicians of actually sitting down in a non-exercise based environment and educating people about pain. And, and I wanted to, you know, if you could, if you had enough time, maybe in, in three minutes, uh, get, kind of get a takeaway of how uh, your pain neuroscience education understanding started, how it evolved and where it's at now, like what it actually looks like uh, clinically for you in, in both in, in maybe in the new hope setting, as well as how does that cross back over into your regular outpatient clinic setting? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think outpatient clinically, you know, as I mentioned, I, I was deep into someone simple and a lot of those blogs that, that people that are probably listening to modern pain care's podcast or at least familiar with, or I've heard of and, and know some of those heavy hitters. So I, I was deep into that in 2013, 2014, went through ISPI's pain certification program in 2015. And a lot of you guys know it's, it's, it's the, it's kind of, it's, it comes off as if it's just sitting down and talking to patients, but it's really meant to be a multi-modal program. And I'll tell you right now, when I finished that program, uh, my pendulum shifted quite a bit. And I remember very vividly and distinctly that for several months after that, that there was two patients, only two that I scheduled for a let's sit down and talk visit, essentially. Let's sit down and do pain science education visit, only two. After that, and I think part of this, because I also had some foundational knowledge, after that, it started to shift into incorporating it as a function of my education, tidbits here and there. What, what for me, what pain science taught me was what not to do versus what to do, right? And so now how it's shifted in my outpatient clinical practice is that I may do a couple nuggets here or there during an evaluation and assessment, but I'm really using my, my initial evaluation encounter to figure out my avenues in which I'm going to educate down the road, test and retest my my complicating factors or my barriers that are going to limit their success with PT that are from the psychosocial perspective. Uh, and then what I do is, and I, and then I try to chip away at them as we're going through 
the rehabilitation program. In some instances, I, I, I might encounter, I, I had a girl yesterday who day one, I went hard, fire hydrant approach, but it wasn't flashcards. It wasn't anything. It was, you told me that your pain is aggravated when you're stressed. You told me that your pain started about six months ago. Guess what happened a year before that? That was the date of your car accident. You know, it was breaking down, it was uh, elucidating the things that she shared with me that I asked her about that to me were psychosocial factors associated to her pain. Um, and, and so it was, you know, going one thing at a time, very specific, very specific to her experience and her pain experience and her flare up that she had been experiencing. And I will say home run, but had the potential to fail. And I could see it. I could sense it. I was like, man, I'm coming on too strong, but it's my last eval of the day. It's my 10 hour day. I'm committed. I'm all in, whatever. Let's go. She came back yesterday and she, she said, I was pissed. I was pissed at first at you, but then I realized I came here to ask for your advice. And then when I realized that it wasn't that I was pissed at you is that I was pissed at myself for letting myself get to this point. And even then I'm like, Oh my God, I could have just totally ruined, like this could have been terrible. Right? So this is an example in which it was highly successful, but anything slight variation could have tipped it one way versus the other. And fortunately enough, it, it worked out. So cl clinically that's maybe in the outpatient setting without, that's not hyper-specific, but uh, that gives you some context with this program with New Hope, which I started working with almost exactly three years ago, it was curricular based because partly because that's how it was pitched to me as to kind of what they wanted. Like, okay, so we got these modules, we got this curriculum and we work through it. And what I come to find is that this demographic too, not only do they have persistent pain, but they're on high doses of opiate-based medication. So their executive function, their cognitive drive uh, is, is impaired. Um, and so their ability to track on these types of concepts, even in layman's terms, I mean, and I go around 1230 after lunch. It just puts people, puts people to sleep. Uh, so unless, unless there's some active engagement, it, it's not going to jive. And so what I would, what, how it shifted was I would maybe put up one slide of a picture of something, and then we would have some open dialogue about it. Or I would just ask very open-ended questions. Um, you know, what is, what is your pain to you and how do you describe it? Or, what are some, and, you know, change the language a little bit, you know, what are some strategies, some soothing strategies that you have? Uh, what are, you know, um, what are the, the, the things that, that you are unable to do? And it's almost like you're asking a patient on an inner, on an um, initial intake, certain questions, but I would just ask them more globally. And then we would have participation because they're group settings. And then we kind of chip away at them to see uh, how we can further educate or de-educate or uh, reframe, et cetera. Um, I'm trying to think the last time I was there, uh, last time I was there, I actually went back to curriculum partly because I've, I've, I've been with the same group for like three months. Uh, so at some point I just run out of things to, to kind of do or talk about if there isn't that much change or traction from week over week. So I was like, well, well, I'll just show you guys. And what happened was I went through like four slides in an hour because all, all it did was it triggered thoughts in them from previous conversations or questions. And if anything, it served as a way to spark questions. And then we just converse about, about what the experience is. 
It's uh, uh, definitely a similar, I think, transition that uh, Jared and I've made when we've kind of took on pain science and then, you know, kind of seen how maybe clinically it's best applied and maybe the, the pain splaining and, and, you know, kind of in your face, you know, this is, I'm going to fire hydrant you, like you said, um, doesn't tend to go well. Um, so I think that's, it's, it's, you know, interesting to hear your uh, story as well, just because it's very similar to a lot of, you know, the folks that we talk with colleagues and things as far as how they're evolved with, with use of pain neuroscience education and things like that. But man, I'm looking forward to your, your talk. I know you got to get to uh, some patients here and, and, and work. So we're going to respect your time, but really appreciate your time this morning. And for, you, for those of you who are listening, check in the show notes, we'll have a link to the Lifelong Learning Academy where you can listen to Marcos's talk, uh, either live or there's recordings of Marcos. We have Peter O'Sullivan uh, and a lot of other uh, you know, heavy hitting therapists uh, that I think you, know, you guys will enjoy and find some value in. But you know, check it out. There's a free 14-day trial if you want to just see what it looks like and if it's something I'll bring value to your practice. But thanks again, Marcos. Have a good rest of your day, man. You guys, good seeing you guys, and I'll see you guys next Tuesday. <clears throat> yes, sir. This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.